Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. You are now tuned into the PA Power Podcast, College Edition, featuring Mason Beckman and Tristan Warner. PA Power Wrestling. PA Power Wrestling. Pennsylvania is wrestling. Welcome in wrestling fans. You are now dialed into the PA Power College Podcast. As Jason Bryant of the Matt Talk Podcast Network said, I'm Tristan Warner, joined by my main man, as always, Mason Beckman, a.k.a. Beck Diggity. Mason, episode 22, I want to say. 22, yes, sir. Um, I don't know about you, but the podcast is feeling 22. Ah, you went Taylor Swift. I was going to go with an Andrew McCutcheon reference because I can't get the fact that the Pirates' ownership is atrocious out of my head. Um, but yeah, 22, uh, we got an awesome interview with Tyler Smith later in the podcast, so... You know, stick around for that. That's a good time. He gives some great insight into both his career as well as the Bucknell program. Um, got a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week, man. It, it was we're in the heart of dual meet season, you know, which I think we said last week too. But some some pretty crazy results. Spencer and Nick Lee have been have been freed, if you will. So, um, you know, let, let's get it kicked off. Outstanding wrestlers, Tristan. Who's your guy? Oh man, there was quite a few. Um, I know you have several listed here that you came up with off the top of your head on this outline, so I'll let you take those. For me personally, I'll say I'll go with a couple dark horse guys. I'll go with, um, Lehigh boy, actually, Cortland Skyler. Hey! Uh, a District 3 product out of Mannheim Township, I believe. Yep. Um, pretty good weekend for him. I think he knocked off two ranked kids. Um, and Mason, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's always been a guy for Lehigh. He's now in his fourth or fifth year in college, but he's, one of those guys that's never really been a full-time starter. He's always been kind of a fill-in guy, but he's definitely tough. I know he's placed at the Southern Scuffle before. And uh, this weekend, big weekend for him, knocked off Jared Prince from Navy and then knocked off a uh, newly ranked uh, Michael Sprague from American, I think, who came in the rankings at 18 or 20. Mm-hmm. So a pretty pretty good Friday-Sunday swing there, I think it was, for uh, Cortland Schuyler from Lehigh. Yeah, yeah, it was a great uh great weekend for court and you you kind of hit the nail on the head he's always kind of been a spot starter um i mean he actually beat randy cruz in a couple different wrestle offs but randy you know always ended up as the guy court's tough man he's and if you've never watched him he's a fun dude to watch wrestle he's funky he's got a great polish a great inside trip does some really crazy things um and you're really starting to see him the first chance he's gotten in the lineup consistently uh, really take advantage of it. 
So, man, I, I this is a hard one. Um, for me, I'll go kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I'll go Chenzo. Um, you know, Chenzo wrestles Logan Massa in Massa's home gym up there in Ann Arbor and in, in Chrysler Arena. Huge crowd and everything. And Chenzo, you know, it was a 5-3 match before the inside trip. But if you watch the match, he was in complete control the entire time. There wasn't a, there wasn't any question up until that point who the better guy was in that match. Um, and then the inside trip, you know, say what you will about Massa having to try to go for broke, but, you know, Chenzo also created that position and attacked the position. So, you know, he gets a major decision over a guy that was a, you know, a third place finisher, I believe, a year ago that he beat in the national semifinals. And the thing that I walked away from that duel, or at least from that bout, that duel as a whole, we'll talk about in a little bit because there's a lot to unpack from the Penn State Michigan duel. But as good as Chenzo was a year ago, you know, he's a national champ and absolutely without question was not a fluke that he won. Um, he's clearly better this year. You know, what he did at the scuffle just pounded everybody, Bryce Steyer in the finals included, and then what he did to Logan Massa. Um, it's a scary prospect, you know, because Chenzo is freak talented, and he's just – kid's just scary good. Um, you know, he's starting to get closer and closer to that tier that Zane and Nolf are on. Yeah, and I think this match alone actually kind of solidifies what you're saying, Mason, because – for those who remember in the semis last year and actually the quarterfinals last year at NCAAs where he wrestled Daniel Lewis from Missouri, I think Chenzo was losing both those matches in the neutral position in the last 20 or 30 seconds for both of them and scored a late clutch takedown just to beat both those guys. So the fact that him and Massa had to go down to the wire last year and him score a last second takedown. Um, and then this one, like you said, the score made it seem like it was maybe a little worse than it was, but still he was in control of that bout pretty much from start to start whistle to end whistle. Yeah. Yep, completely agreed. Um, so moving on to challenge bricks for the weekend. Got some interesting ones here. My number one challenge brick is the Bo Nickel Dom Abinator match in the Penn State Michigan duel. I assume you've seen this, Tristan. The officiating in the third period. Now, okay, let me preface this by saying I think Nickel's the better guy, and I think Nickel wins that match regardless of how the third period is called. However, I think the official missed two very clear takedowns um, for Abinator in the third period. It was just, it was a really bizarre situation. And really, my challenge brick not only goes to the official, but it goes to Michigan's bench because they had a challenge to use and they didn't throw the brick. Like, it was such a bizarre sequence, you know, the first one, the, you know, the first one, it ends with Nickel laying on his side, hugging Abinator's foot, but Abinator's got him completely stopped there. And, and, it, and then the second one, Abinator doubles him and sits him on his butt and Nickel's locked in the crotch. And, um, just a really bizarre about minute and a half that ended that match, you know, from the officiating. And, and, you know, I was just shocked that, whether the officials wanted to review it, I, I thought they would have reviewed it. I thought the Michigan bench would have thrown the brick. It was just a funky, it, it was a funky couple of minutes and I just was kind of sitting there scratching my head 
And, you know, wrestling Twitter, as it all happened, was going berserk about it. So at least I wasn't alone in it, um, but was just very confused by the whole thing. Do you get the sense, Mason, that uh, Nickel has been a little less dominant this year? I mean, it's hard to, to say anything bad about the kid, uh, and that's not what I'm going for here. But do you sense that, I mean, he's had a couple almost uncharacteristically close bouts with guys this year who aren't even really the top, you know, aren't even really the guys that you would imagine maybe would give him fits. Like, I think... I mean, Price is obviously really tough. That was a really close bout. We had this Abinator one. I want to say there was one more somewhere along the way where he was really challenged. Do you, do you feel like he's been a little less dominant this year? Um, you know, that's actually a really good question. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Um, you know, I know. And again, I mean, we have seen times in his career where he's had every now and then an off match. I know he got picked off kind of randomly in a dual meet by Nathan Jackson from Indiana who a couple was years ago. really good by the way and Nate Jackson was the- really good yeah. just maybe not on the tiers bo nickel but um, i agree nate and jackson and then obviously we had the nca final with miles martin where say what you want now miles martin maybe a different match now he's been dominant this year but 2 years ago nickel had i think a major and a pin to his name over martin and then you know, gets beat, what, 12-7 in the national finals by him. So every now and then it seems like there's kind of a, a shaky match for Nickel, but yeah, still it, obviously one of the best pound-for-pound guys in the, in America. Well, I think it, it's definitely an interesting case study, and I think there could be a few different things happening. Number one, if you look at the guys you just rattled off, a lot of them are style problems. So Nate Jackson, um, super underrated. And, and Jackson's a guy that doesn't over-attack. He's a guy that when he pulls the trigger, he hits you and gets through you, which is if you're going to beat Nickel, the kind of guy you have to be because uh, you can't allow him to scramble. You know what I mean? So, and the the, the match in the finals with Miles Martin, realistically, uh, Miles won it on one sequence. He he really won it on that lateral drop. Lat drop on the edge, yep. Um. You know, and he scored points outside of that, but that was without question the deciding factor. More Bo Nichols' own, uh, you know, not even really mistakes, because, I mean, you can't fault him for being aggressive, but just kind of missed a couple throw opportunities. Yeah, you know, he kind of tried to go far knee block, and Miles just rotated his hips really, really well. Um, and, and then, you know, you mentioned Price and Abinator. The Abinator match was the one to me that was really confounding. And, and maybe... Yeah, because throughout his career, at least, I mean, Abinator's been around for a while, but he seems like a guy who wins matches really close, and he seems like he wins matches on top from what I've seen. He seems he he wins like 1-2-0 matches a lot. At least that's what I remember. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing that he had multiple what what could have been takedowns against Bo Nickel. Yeah, you know, Abinator's always kind of been an enigma. Um, He has some, like, ridiculously good wins in his career, but he's also got some head-scratching losses. He's never made the podium. Um, and I don't mean to knock him, but he's been a guy that's proven to really be on that elite tier when he's on. And when he's off, he's kind of a 10 to 12, you know, 10 to 15 guy. So you're never really sure what Dom Abinator you're getting. Um, and obviously that, you know, on Friday we got the, the best version of Dom Abinator. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of that match. Is it that, that Abinator you know, is, is locked in right now. You know, I mean, hey, look, even in the match that, you know, the, the, the other match that comes to mind for me with Abinator was his loss to Price. And even in that match, he looked very, very, you know, both guys wrestled very well. So is it that Abinator is being more consistent now? 
Um, is it that he's a style matchup? Because Abinator is a very, very athletic 184. He's powerful. He's explosive. Um, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance it's it's that because I mean, if you watch the Nolf Pan- Pantaleo match, he's uh he came to wrestle too. So maybe just the seniors uh, from Michigan came out to wrestle against Penn State this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and um, I tell you what, before we get into Michigan, Penn State, let, what's your challenge, Brick? Uh, my challenge, Brick, was um. You know, it didn't really have anything to do with Pennsylvania teams. And to be honest, I obviously wasn't at this duel. It could have been written wrong in the press release or something. But Northern Illinois Citadel dual meet, at least from the article I read, had three double forfeits in the dual meet. I think 125, 141, and one of the upper weights. Three double forfeits in a in a college D1 dual meet against two, I mean, not top-level teams, but definitely respectable programs. I mean, we've seen All-Americans come from both these schools in the last five or ten years, so... Like I said, I don't know if that's 100% what actually happened. It could have, one guy could have got a forfeit and the other guy, you know, the other team didn't have a guy and that's just how it looked on the press release. But it looked to me like three double forfeits. So that's a challenge brick for uh, any D1 dual meet right there. That's some nonsense. That is just pure nonsense. I, I, I'm with you on that. That's, that's, ugh. you hate to see that for a lot of reasons. Um, so a uh, little sidebar, but in talking to, Coach Azevedo last week um, was texting with him after we did the interview. The good news is Austin DeSanto is back on the mat. Um, not exactly sure when we'll see him back in competition, but his uh, his dome is getting better, so the concussion protocol and everything. So he's getting better. He's back on the mat and everything. It's uh, just a matter of time before he's full go again. So that's good news. But to circle back around, Let's start the weekend review with Penn State, Michigan, because there's so much to get into here. Um, we've talked about Abinator Nickel, so we'll leave, you know, we've kind of already run that into the ground, but 133, you've got Mitchich, who since, uh, since his performance in Vegas has looked like the guy we expected. He majors Corey Keener. You know, Keener continues to be good, not great for Penn State. Um, I think at this juncture, I don't think he's a guy you can count on for points at the national tournament. Not not for major points at the national tournament, right? Um, Nick Lee out of red shirt. That's a, that's a very big thing. He uh, that is a guy you count on for points at the NCAA tournament. Yes, already up to number seven in the national ranking according to Intermat. Yeah, I think he's seven there, eight for flow. So. Um, Nick Lee looking good in his opening match, uh, as well as the one against Michigan State on Sunday. Pantaleo Nolf. Um, so this is the first match. It ends 6-4 in Nolf's favor. Pantaleo wins the takedown battle, uh, 2-1. Nolf wins the mat wrestling battle. A, a really interesting match for a lot of reasons. Number one, obviously, it's the first time we've seen Jason Nolf pushed by any in his college career by anyone not named Isaiah Martinez. So there's that. Um, you know, Pantaleo takes him down twice. You know, I definitely thought they could have if that ref really would have wanted to. I think they could have hit Pantaleo for Stalin uh, maybe one more time. But I thought he wrestled an extremely smart match. You can't over-attack Noel for the same reason you can't over-attack Nickel because then you get into the scrambling and the mess. Um, Pantaleo is such a great natural athlete and he's so explosive 
That first takedown, that double was beautiful. Just took him clean off his feet. Um, so they go to the third period, 5-4, and Pantaleo had already been on bottom in that match for, I think, 45 seconds or so. Chooses bottom, and he gets ridden out in the entire third period to lose. So, um, you know, mixed feelings about that. I, I totally understand why they chose bottom. But at the same time, if they go neutral, you know, does Pan- does he score another one, right? Um, I don't know. What, what what were your thoughts on the whole the whole thing? The choosing bottom when you've already gotten ridden for a while it always just reminds me of the Molinero Kyle Dake NCA final. <laughs> where I think yeah. Dake rode him for like six and a half minutes, and I can't one hundred percent say that. Um, you know, I can't put myself in that sh- those shoes. Obviously, it was never there. But yeah, it, it does leave you scratching your head. Why do you do that? But in a match that's, what was it, 6-4 like that, with I guess with Nolf's riding time, it would have been 5-4 going into the third period, right, when he chose bottom? Yes. I guess you have to think that if Pantaleo, you know, you talk about how explosive he is, you know, Nolf's obviously amazing in every position, but I guess you have to think that it might be an easier out for Pantaleo to explode off the whistle, maybe get a quick stand-up and get an escape, and that's a tied bout right there, as opposed to having to go two minutes down a point and try to take down the best guy in the country who... Granted, you did already take him down twice, but what are the chances you take him down three times? Has Nolf ever been taken down three times ever since he started wrestling at age four? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, so look, if Pantaleo goes down and he and he gets right out, this isn't this is this isn't an issue. Or if he takes neutral and can't get a takedown on the match ends five four, how many people are saying that he should have taken bottom? Exactly. Um, so There's, it's a lose lose. Yeah, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I think it was kind of a catch twenty two for him. Um, I will say this: one of the things, you know, Jason Nolf is incredible. Like you said, in all in all positions, people forget that for a long time Nolf kind of made his money on top, especially when he was in high school. So, you know, bottom on Nolf, it's always a bit of a risk. Um. I don't know. Uh, it, it's I, I'm still trying to decide how I feel about the whole thing because I'm a huge proponent of during the season. We've talked about this always taking bottom, not always, but the vast majority of the time taking bottom. Um, you know, short of wrestling somebody named Zane Rutherford. But yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, it was a really interesting thing. I'm gonna be fascinated to see the result of those two next time they wrestle. <laughs> I was just going to say, we'll probably see them again, at, I mean, at least one more, probably a couple more times throughout the year. So yeah. stay tuned. So moving up, you know, Chenzo Major Massa, we talked about that, Nickel Abinator. Uh, Rashid and Beasley, interesting match. Rashid continues to prove that even weighing about 190 pounds, he's a top flight 97 pounder. He, uh, he beats Beasley, who's a returning All American last year at Old Dominion at your alma mater. Uh, that's right. Go Monarchs. Beat, uh, I mean, soundly beat a returning All-American. So, and then the bizarre thing, Rashid looks that good. You know, he pounds everybody at the scuffle. Controls a returning All-American and then they rest. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kassar wrestles. Kassar on Sunday. And, I mean, look, I will never claim to know more than Kale does, but it was just a really, like, whoa. You know, it was kind of a, a curveball. So, be interesting to see how that situation plays itself out. And then, I mean, it- the one thing I'll say is that we know, we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, for one, Rashid could have tweaked an injury or something against Beasley. Um, I mean, anytime you go wrestling all American, I don't care what the score looks like. If, if it was a seven one win, you know, you don't know. He might have hurt himself in some way, even in a, in a slight way, especially when you got two stud backups in the lineup. You know, why not rest him? Also, the only other thing I can think is, you know, Kassar might, um, have Rashid's number in the practice room, something like that. He wrestles him enough times. He's ready for that cradle. I mean, maybe Kassar beats him in the room, beats him in a wrestle off, and it still isn't a hundred percent proven that just because Rashid went out there and decked three dudes at the Southern scuffle that, uh, you know, and, and controlled Beasley, he's definitely the hot hand right now, but maybe it's, maybe it's not uh, this early time to put Kassar on the shelf. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, keep them both fresh, at least keep them both active out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, they're both top 10 guys, so you don't really have a bad option. Um, yeah, going to be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, so, other dual meets around the country. Ohio State, Minnesota, Nathan Tomasello pretty much ripped Ethan Lezak's soul out. Uh, he teched him. That, that tech fall was, at least on paper when I just saw that result, I, I had to read it about seven or eight times to make sure I read it right. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because the box score is kind of shocking, but when you watch the match, it's not. And I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the replay of it, but Tomasello no. takes him down right at the buzzer in, in the first period to go up 2 nothing. And the first period was pretty even. Lezak was pretty close to scoring off of one of uh, Tomasello's shots and... Second period Which surprises rolls. me because if, if I just thought of this match off the top of my head, I would think Nato would – the way he would win that match would be on his feet. Yeah. So it's 2 nothing. They go to the second. Tomasello takes neutral. He takes him down a second time about halfway through the second period, and it just looked like the second takedown – and, and Tomasello's hand fighting and his pace are a big part of this and maybe the one-hour weigh-in for Lezak, but it just looked like – that second takedown got Lezak to crack. And Tomasello then tilts him and goes up 8 nothing. And from there, the floodgates just opened wide, like wide open. Um, you know, Lezak takes top, but Nathan Tomasello might be the most difficult individual in all of college wrestling to turn because he's built like a spark plug. Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't, it was just kind of interesting. You know, as I watched it, I remember thinking, I'm not shocked by any of this. You know what I mean? 
the box score, as wild as it was, as it's happening in front of you, you're kind of going, oh, you know, this, this isn't as far out of the realm of possibilities I might have thought. Um, not to mention Lezak's one major deficiency, obviously, is his feet for sure. But more than anything, it's that high pace, that physicality on his feet. It's almost reminiscent of the Gilman match in a different way. Where it, he had a big lead yes. and just kind of melted at the end. Yes. Um, yeah. So, interesting result there. Then uh, Luke Pletcher continues to roll, number two guy in America. No Mitch McKee, which, um, sad face, because that would have been fun. But Pletcher gets another win, remains undefeated. Nick Wanzek, who might be one of the... the the most underrated wrestlers in America, Minnesota's 165. If you haven't seen this kid or haven't really heard much of him, just go check him out. He's really, really good. But Wanzek wins over to Shan Campbell. Um, rough last couple weeks for Tayshan, but you know, still as good as anybody out there. Just about anybody good out there. So I'm sure he'll bounce back. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts for you on those, those two there? Pletcher to Shan. No, it has been a little rough stretch for Tashan, but it's like he transferred from Pitt. He's at Ohio State now and maybe not used to the Big Ten grind, I would say, coming in just January, February. Those guys wrestle a lot of dual meets and a lot of tough competition. So, I mean, maybe just a slight slump here. Try to say that 10 times fast, but I think he'll be <laughs> fine come the end of the season. He's got some of the best workout partners and coaches in the country, so not too worried about Tashan. I will say the only other funny thing I thought about this dual meet Probably not even funny to anyone else, but classic SID work here. Um, the headline of the Ohio State-Minnesota match that I saw on Intermat was Ohio State garners triumph over Minnesota. <laughs> I thought that was so... Uh, I wondered what that was about. So, um, what's the word I want to say? Sounded so uppity. Ohio State garners triumph. I, I picture someone clanking a dish when they say that, in the <laughs> sitting there in a royal ballroom. But anyway, yeah, moving on. So moving on, uh, interesting question that somebody posed to me. With Nick Lee coming out of redshirt, do you think Penn State is the clear favorite to win a national no. title? I would say no, just because I think their 125 and 133 are such, I mean, I would say gaping holes almost. Not 25, for most sorry, teams in 25 the, for sure is. Yeah, and, and not for most teams in the country. I mean, Keener is still solid. But, I mean, compared to when you look up and down Ohio State's lineup, they, they have some – I don't really see them with very many holes. Do you? I don't see them with any. Ohio State could very easily All-American the team and have Tomasello. No, 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 no. Um, Tomasello, Jordan. Col- I would say Colin Moore is almost a – more. Well – they they have three number ones right now. Kyle Snyder, Colin Moore. You got Miles Martin going. I mean, he's they, as dominant. So as they anyone could right they now. could very realistically all American. You got the squad. Bo right there with with the top guys at seventy four. I Th- mean, that's what I'm saying. They could they're have, scary. They could have ten all Americans with Tomasello, Snyder, and Moore if rankings hold as champs. Then with Martin and Bo, very very like, realistically in the finals. They could put five Micah in the finals, in the, three Micah champs. Could be in the, yeah, yeah. I I don't think Mike. I don't think it's out of the realm to say Micah Jordan would make the final. I mean, they top to bottom. Um, you know, I know Joey McKenna's been struggling a little bit. 
Uh, Keyshawn Hayes, top ten guy. Yeah, they just. I mean, look, Fletcher's look, ranked look, number Fletcher's two ranked right second. now. Second, what? That's another potential finalist. Yeah, and, and uh, no. you know, Penn State. I would say not, it's not, uh, not to discredit. You know, the Sanderson squad. Obviously, you've got five defending national champs. You've got Nick Nevels. You've you've got uh, the Carson Coon transfer is going to be interesting at twenty five. Um, it definitely shores up to a point, but I don't. Again, it's the same kind of thing we said earlier. I don't think he's a guy you're going to rely on to score um, substantial points at the NCAA tournament. I agree. And I, I don't think he really lasts a full seven minutes with Tomasello. That, so. See, that's the other thing. In the dual meet, I don't think it matters because I think yeah. NATO is just, frankly, going to run right through him. Um, and I really don't mean that in a disrespectful manner, even though it probably definitely is. But – yeah, uh, that's that's just if I you know that that's my prediction there. So, gonna be interesting. Nick Lee definitely improves Penn State's chances, especially the the Nick Lee Joey McKenna dynamics gonna be interesting, both in the dual meet and the national tournament. So, um, rolling on Oklahoma State Iowa Spencer Lee first big test as a starter first big success. Spencer wins ten five. Funky match because Spencer comes out, beautiful high crotch, scores a takedown, uh, gets a four point near fall. He's up six nothing. Uh, had a go behind, I believe, in the second period was his second takedown. You know, had a big lead and kind of sort of ran out of gas, man. Like he when he was clinging on at the end. I, I mean, still wins ten five. But it looked like over Spen- a guy who has a win over Darian Cruz this year. Yes, unofficial win. So yeah, you know, Pichinini's for, for a redshirt freshman. We're not uh, true freshman. We're not discounting the the, the true truth freshman. of Spencer Lee. True freshman. Yeah, sorry, we're um, not discounting the the impressiveness here. But yeah, like you said, um, I think even Brands might have called him out in an interview saying something about he needs to get in shape. So well, what Brands said was he's got to figure out the one hour weight cut. So that's an inter- that which poses another interesting question. Because there's no way, looking at Spencer Lee, I would be shocked if he's cutting a lot of weight. So, you know, and I, I've even had a few people in just having the same kind of conversation with some other people. Brands' comment about the one-hour weigh-in, and you know as well as I do, Tristan. it The one-hour weigh-in, especially for little guys, it takes some getting used to because... In high school, oftentimes you can just kind of eat whatever and drink whatever and you go out, especially a kid like Spencer Lee, who you could have tied his ankles together and probably still would have pinned 95% of the people he wrestled. Um, so getting used to that one hour weigh in and the, and the nerves and of wrestling in Carver against Oklahoma State and everything got to get his routine down. Um, I, that was kind of what I took away from it, but what were your thoughts on like brands just comment about the one hour thing? Yeah, I was going to say exactly what you said. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of my younger brother, uh, TC used to drink a Mountain Dew and eat a sticky bun or a honey bun after <laughs> weigh-ins, even at States, even at States when he's going up against, you know, Minotti and that's Jared rid- Hammond and ridiculous. the best guys in the country. And he didn't care. It was just his routine. This is what he did. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of that when you said it. Spencer was so good in high school. I doubt there was ever a match where it ever mattered what that kid was eating or drinking or putting in his body, even on a one hour weigh in. So when you're going a seven minute match in Carver Hawkeye against a top five guy who has a win over a national champ, I mean, this guy could be, you know, in the finals this year. 
Um, and you know, even if you're not cutting a lot of weight, I mean, even me, most of my college career, I didn't really cut that much weight, but there were matches I went out there on a one hour weigh in and did not feel good, especially come the third period. Cause you know, if, if you, even if you eat or drink the right things, if you eat or drink too much mm-hmm. an hour weigh in, um, it can take a big toll on the way you feel out there. So it's really a science. It's always like a kind of a trial and error type thing. At least it was for me. You really got to experiment with different things, see what works for you. See with, you know, sometimes I would just eat or drink two or three hours before and even after the weigh-in, I wouldn't eat or drink anything because I needed that time to digest. So I would say it's more about that than it is about him pulling a lot of weight to get down to 25. Totally agreed. Um, sidebar, because the, the Mountain Dew and Sticky Bun thing is what made me think of this. So, uh, <laughs> True story, this 100%. Is a, this is a Nate Brown story, so you'll appreciate this. Nookie Brown. Good old Nathaniel. He's a married man now. Um Good for him. So, our trainer, Jack Foley at Lehigh, who you, I, you've definitely seen him because he runs skin check and NCAAs, rock, like, just the best mustache on planet Earth. Um, literally wrote the NCAA rule book on skin check procedures and, and a lot of different stuff and concussion protocol. The dude's a living legend. But Jack is very old school and he's like very strict with, uh, he was very strict with us about, and he, he was an awesome resource in, in every way. Um, the dude would get you back from injuries faster than anybody else could, you know, in the right way. He pushed, uh, his workouts were miserable. His rehab workouts sucked. But that aside, you know, he was very strict about what we ate after weigh-ins. <laughs> Archer freshman year, Nate was eating a Snickers after weigh-ins. I'll never forget this. And we're sitting in the lounge in Taylor Gym. <laughs> Nate's eating a Snickers. And Jack walks in and had a full-blown conniption. <laughs> it was one of the funniest things. And Jack, like, just, you know, I don't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he laid into Nate and he walks out and Nate kind of turns around when this like beat red and he's still kind of grinning like i just wanted a snickers (laughs) (laughs) that should be one of those snickers commercials oh man was it funny and for the record we've all been guilty of that stuff nate was just a poor fool poor fool who got caught um but yeah that that popped into my head i I, wonder if you ever ate a snickers after weigh-ins again sounds like a pretty strong deterrent so the running joke after that was Nate always told Coach Santoro, he's like, if, you know, if and when I win a national title, you got to give me a Snickers right off the mat. She got pretty darn close. And Coach Pat's like, you win a national title, I'll get you a whole box of them. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that year Nate made the finals. We're standing around Saturday afternoon. I'm like, Coach Pat, you, uh, are you going to have a Snickers with you on the mat? (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, I completely forgot about that. I should definitely go get one. So I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't have this for fact. Um, because I wandered away and I kind of let Nate and the coaches do their own thing before the finals. But, uh, I, that's, I should bring that up. I don't know if they actually had one on the mat side, but I know for sure there were a couple people on our team that had Snickers ready to go for Nate had he won. <laughs> That's great. That's classic. Um, but anyway, to bring it back uh, to things that are relevant today. 
Oklahoma State, Iowa, the rest of it. Mikey Kemmer keeps rolling. Uh, Alex Marinelli over Chandler Rogers. So Marinelli's real deal good. Um, you know, Sam Stoll over Derek White in double overtime. Iowa looked good. Oklahoma State looked flat. That was kind of my takeaway. Dean Hiles back on the winning wagon. So that's good for Hile. Good to see. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma yeah, State looked I'll flat. I'll see. I'll say one thing about this duel and maybe I'm, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, Mason. You tell me. But <clears throat> in my lifetime, I don't know if I've ever seen a duel between Oklahoma State and Iowa where there were so many. I don't want to say this is wrong of me to say no names, but almost like guys that would usually be backups on this on these teams. Do you agree? Well, like non. I mean, when I picture an Iowa Oklahoma State dual meet, I'm thinking of like top ten guys across the board, and just maybe it's also that I. I don't know. I haven't studied these two teams as much this year as I usually would, but um, just some of the guys in the lineup, like the Mitch Bowmans and the the Vince Turks, um, and yeah, no, I yeah, the Bula Wallen, the Johns Blaylock. I mean, these are definitely tough kids, but these just seem like guys to me that in a tip Derek White, even like guys uh, in a typical year that would be ba- you know backups on Oklahoma State's team, and that's not. That's once again not disrespecting those guys in any way because some of Oklahoma State's backups would all American most years, but yeah, it almost just true. seems to me like it's just a maybe just a down year for both teams a little bit, a little bit. Um, so one of the interesting things to tack on to that is so Spencer Lee's now out of redshirt, obviously, and Pat Down. Yeah, and until Spencer came back, there was who was it at twenty five for Iowa? Somebody else that wasn't you know a top. I don't think he was even a top twenty guy. No, uh, they were yeah. they were st ruggling. Um, yeah, but the other thing that Pat Downey is eligible and he's waiting in the wings and, uh, rumor has it, he's coming out against a high estate this weekend. So, um, start your engines. Iowa, all of a sudden you put Spencer in at 25 and he's a top eight kid. You put Downey in at 84 and he's a top five guy. The outlook of that team season changes a lot. Now they're not, they're still not national title contenders, but you just put two guys that are all American, that are all American caliber guys. Downey, you gotta say is a title contender. He's gotta win, you know, he beat Gabe Dean at the trials last year. I don't remember the score of him and Nickel, but Downey is a guy that, I mean, my goodness, is uber talented. Um, you know, if he, if you can get Pat Downey, in a singlet, you know, to make weight in a singlet on the mat, he can beat anyone. The trick, the trick is getting him on the mat, but that's a total different, totally different conversation. So, I mean, in my mind, and this was actually a question that was, uh, submitted to me by one of our listeners. Where do you think Downey slots in? I think he, he's an 84. Um, I think that's been pretty well established. Rankings wise, where do you slot him? Oh man, I would have to pull up the 184 pound rankings, but I would say he's got to be like a top five guy. I go four. Uh, yeah, I think you put. I'd say three or four. You put Nichols a clear one, Mymar's a clear two. Rendo. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. That's three. So I think you put Pete three because Pete's got a higher. They both all American to New York. Completely Pete, agree with that. Pete was the three at 184. Uh, Pat was the five at 197. So I would say Price might be five if he's healthy. Well, Price is four right now. So the question is. So yeah, you put, you put him in four and then Price five. Yeah, because I think, I mean, obviously you won't find a bigger Ryan Price fan than me, but I think if you look at it from a, a logic standpoint, you know, Downey, number one, Downey's been on the podium, which is something the Price to this point, uh, has not done. Um, I don't know. I, I think Downey slots in at four, and man, that kid—if he can wrestle a full seven minutes hard, he's a nightmare. Especially because he's not—he's not just your conventional wrestler. He can put you on your dome at any point in time. He can pin you um, in a lot of different ways. He's a super fun guy to watch. So the Pat Downey, you know, PD three being in a lineup—it's going to change a lot of things. Um, him and Spencer being in the lineup, man, I was. The outlook of Iowa season just completely changed. Yeah, and and to echo a quote that I saw this week, or might have even been something that we said last week in the podcast. I've seen a couple people tweet it since. Austin DeSanto is must see wrestling. Pat Downey is and was must see wrestling even before DeSanto, and and when he comes back, he's must see wrestling. Pat Downey's must see Twitter too. He's must see everything. He is must see Twitter for sure. I forget what he's it a came- spectacle. Oh man, he's 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 a creature. It's the only way I can describe him. Um, so moving on, uh, you know, kind of try to wrap roll up. Roll through Lee, roll through Lehigh real quick, and then we'll get to Virginia duels. Yeah, we get into so the preview. good weekend for my alma mater. Uh, they wrestled uh, two duels, total of twenty bouts. They won eighteen of them, thirty-six-two over American, thirty-four to three over Navy. Uh, the losses, Jake Jacobson lost to, uh, Kaznick, who's fellow PA boy. Kaznick with a takedown in the last minute to beat Jacobson. Uh, a, something of note for Lehigh over the weekend, Scotty Parker not in the lineup. So my guess is he's still, um, the scuffle re-aggravated the issue that he had in December. So he'll be back. That would um, make sense too, because that would kind of explain those uncharacteristic losses. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Um, so no Scotty Parker and no Terrell for American. I don't know what the story was there. Um, then the Navy duel we talked about. Court Skyler, Luke Karam pins uh, Nick Gill, who's ranked in the top twenty. So a great win for Karam. And unfortunately, no Janine Bernstein at seventy four. Although the guy that I can't remember the kid's name, but. The guy that wrestled in Bernstein's stead, they said have him and Bernstein have like split their wrestle offs. And is it Michael Coleman? No, Coleman was at eighty four. Coleman was the win for Navy. 
So, but I can't remember the kid's name. Um, but it's not Drew Daniels. He's at sixty-five, right? Yeah, it was. It was a name I remember. I hadn't heard it before, but they, yeah, they said that him and Janine have kind of split their wrestle offs this year. I have no idea why one guy wrestled and one guy didn't, but um, you know, Cutler won that match. I think eleven three. So, I mean, hey. I, you know, if that guy's as good as Bernstein or at least on, you know, somewhere within that level, uh, it's a good win for Cutler, but, uh, good win for the alma, or good weekend for the alma mater. Uh, Virginia Duels, I'll kind of let you take this one. This is more in your wheelhouse. Uh, yep. Good old Hampton Coliseum, Virginia Duels. Um, always a tough tournament. They had their four pools of three or four teams and then the winners all go on to their own separate little four man bracket and so forth. Um, Arizona State took the title ultimately. Pretty impressive showing for them. They beat Virginia Tech in the finals, who I think is ranked ninth, or at least was. Um, Virginia Tech put a pretty good beating on my modern old Dominion in the uh, in their little pool stage. Virginia Tech, uh, I think they beat Northern Iowa in the semis. Arizona State beat, I want to say, Oklahoma. Um, we saw a little bit of Josh Maruka, a little bit of Sertzis. Looked like they were splitting time out there. Um, some highlights. Lock Haven went 3-1, and one, beat Chattanooga, Bucknell, and Fresno, but lost to Oklahoma. That was all... Uh, no, that was that was pool pool round and uh, whatever round they went into after that. Um, Chance, Ronnie Perry, and Corey Hazel at 184 went undefeated. Bucknell unfortunately went 0 and 3 with losses to Lock Haven, Fresno, and Oklahoma. Um, Tyler Smith, the highlight for Bucknell as he's been pretty much his whole career, went 3 and 0, won all of his matches, and like we said, we're going to talk to him here just at the end of our episode. Good interview with Tyler. Um, talking about the Bison program and uh, the outlook of his senior season. Um, aside from that, Mason, Drexel with a win over Franklin and Marshall and Keystone College, is it? I don't even know. Yeah, Keystone College. Uh, head coach, Keystone Steve College. Minich, Drexel grad. Oh, there you go. LVAC athlete. Workout partner of mine for a while, so shout out Coach Minich. Maybe, eh. Last I knew he was at seminary. So he must have just recently gone there. Yeah. Yeah, they started their program, and uh, old Stevie Midich, first ever head coach, Keystone College. Then we got Penn with a 1918 win over Army on Criteria. Is that Penn's second match in a row where they won a crazy Criteria I match? Think it came down to some some ridiculous criteria, like most takedowns in bouts that were won by a decision or something, something ridiculous like yeah, that. Yeah, some obscure criteria that nobody off the top of their head would know. Yeah, but regardless, another good win for Penn. Um, Clarion goes 2-0 with wins over VMI and Davidson. Virginia um, Military Institute. Penn- yep, that's right, out there in Lexington, Virginia. Um, Penn State beats Michigan State 48-3, and really the highlight of that match, we already talked about Kassar being in the lineup at 97. That was a little bit of a... A question mark, but Nick Lee texts the number 19 kid in the country, Javier Gasca, for the Spartans. So Nick Lee not holding back on his uh, veteran competition there. Nah, not at all. Uh, Gasca, the same one that beat Gillibon at. You ever want? got teched by him in the first round of the NCAA tournament yeah, next week. The perfect microcosm of Jimmy Gillibon's career gets beat by Gasca at Big Tens. Inconsistency. Texts him at NCAAs. But my goodness, when he was on, he was on. I, I can't tell you how much I hated wrestling him. Not to mention I did it ten times. Literally, it was like nine or ten times. What was your record? Uh, something in two. I think like seven and two, eight and two, something like that. 
That's actually pretty impressive. Um, yeah, we'll we'll leave. Well, that, that's not to mention the fact that he did win two of the last three. But um, yeah. Last result of the weekend was Hofstra beat Bloomsburg, and with that, Mason, you can take us into our quick uh, preview of the upcoming weekend. Weekend preview. So, a number one of the weekend potential uh, today, actually, because this comes out on Thursday. Potential number one versus number one matchup. How does that happen, you might ask? South Dakota State and Wyoming are wrestling in a duel today. Seth Gross, via some conversations in the Twitterverse, between Gross and Meredith and Chris Bono, it has been heavily hinted that Gross will bump the 41 to take on Bryce Meredith. If it happens, it might just rip a hole in the space time continuum from the sheer awesomeness. And those two, uh, there's going to be a lot of funk. I don't have a single clue how that match will go. I've been thinking about it all week, trying to figure out who I think will win. I No earthly idea. Um, flip a coin, that's who I pick. So, really hope that match happens. And even if it doesn't, 133 will still be a good one because we get Montori Bridges versus Seth Gross. Um, well, it's good on paper. I think Gross wins that in less than seven minutes. But um, So, hopefully Meredith Gross happens. Uh, Penn State Purdue highlighted by Nick Lee versus Nate Limix. Limix has been a, a pretty big surprise for the Purdue program this year. Uh, been wrestling great at 141 for the Boilermakers. So Lee Limix, um, both guys with the same initials, complete useless fact, but a fun one. Uh, Lehigh Cornell. So Cornell, the Cornell program, man, is good at, they've obviously been outstanding, um, for the last decade plus. Rob Cole has done great things up there. The Cornell duel always seems somehow it's like Murphy's Law for the Lehigh program. You know, just bizarre things happen. Like last year, Price getting neutral pinned in a match that was tied or he was winning with 20 seconds left. There's always something bizarre that happens in that duel. So hopefully, um, hopefully, I mean, at least for me personally, you know, and for, for Pennsylvania fans, Lehigh, you know, doesn't have that happen this year. 125 might be a forfeit for Cornell. They forfeited that a lot, the last couple duels. So, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess they can't, but unless Scotty's out, they could bump if Scotty's still out, bump Darian up and have somebody take a forfeit. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, you've got Yanni and Karam, Gordon Wolf and John J. Chavez, Cutler and Brandon Womack. Womack's the kid from Alabama, right? Yeah, that's right. All-American last year at 165. First. Up at 174 this year. First ever All-American from Alabama, I think. That's right. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, I will be that's rooting cool. against him, but still a cool fact. <laughs> Classic. Uh, Ryan Price return, possible, unlikely, but if he is in the lineup, he'll wrestle Max Dean. And then 97, Ben Darmstadt from Cornell and Jake Jacobson. So a lot of good matchups in that dual meet. Uh, that will be taking place in Ithaca, one of the coldest and windiest places I've ever been. Uh, great environment to wrestle in, though. Cornell always, uh, their crowd always shows out. So, And there's definitely no love lost in that rivalry. So, uh, And then that's Friday. Lehigh Army will be Sunday. Um, Edinburgh wrestles Virginia Tech and Ryder this weekend. You got Corbin Myers, Gustafson. Billy Miller, Andrew Dunn, and we've got another Tyson slash Buck Dippery sighting. Always good. 
Always good. Clarion. Got to root for Buck. Yep. Got to root for Buck. Uh, Clarion at George Mason. Not, uh, not any super big matchups in that one. Pitt, Virginia Tech. That, I want to say that's Saturday. See the Friday or Saturday. You got Zanetta Brent Moore, Dom Forey's and Gustafson, and then Ryan Solomon, Andrew Dunn. So there'll be some good matchups in that. Might, uh, I might jaunt, make the jaunt on up to Fitzgerald Field. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, yeah, since you won't be watching your Steelers this weekend, right? Shut up. Shut up. Those, uh, those birds though, over there on the other side of the state. How about those guys? Yeah, you know, it's, it's fan, it's incredible what a team can do when they have an offensive coordinator who doesn't try to run plays uh, that he drew up in his eighth grade. Oh no, I'm not making excuses. I just think Todd Haley's a freaking idiot. Um, and he's been fired. So apparently that opinion isn't just my own, but. You've got a quarterback that's the size of a linebacker. Twice you have fourth and inches, and neither time you do a quarterback sneak. Explain. I, um, we can't get on this topic because I, I will be here all night. Um, it, dude, it's been a rough week for Pittsburgh sports fans. The Steelers losing. How how do you score forty two against the Jacksonville Jaguars and lose? How how forty five forty five points? I, that, mm. that's all I have to say. And then the McCutcheon. So, sorry the, about the luck. The Garrett Cole and the McCutcheon trades for the Pirates. I'm borderline falling apart. Thank God the Penguins have won like four or five straight. Um, they're, they are legitimately in my lifeline right now. So anyway, um, Eagles have been impressive though. They're literally winning with a backup quarterback and purely on defense and it's impressive. So, uh, Drexel wrestles Columbia and West Point. Uh, Michigan wrestles Minnesota, so you'll have a Lezak Drew Matten match. We'll see if, uh, the old backpack can get it going again against a, a pretty good guy. Iowa, Ohio State. Uh, Tristan, I'll let you run through this. I, I've kind of gotten on a roll here. Iowa, Ohio State. Several key matchups here, just to highlight a few of them. NATO against Spencer Lee. Mason, the first question I have is, is it even going to happen? Uh, all signs point to yes. From what I've read and from what I've been told, NATO is going to go. I would say in my mind, that might be the most highly anticipated individual matchup of the year, for me at least. It's definitely on the list. Definitely on the list. Um, just just sheer excitement factor. You got a, what, NATO is now a Richard Jr. or is he a senior? Senior. He's gone one three three. That's right. Fifth year senior going up against a true freshman, but I mean, both these guys have been like on the world level before and obviously we just want to see what Spencer can do and this is his ultimate test. So starting early and we'll see what kind of shape he's in. We'll see what he's made of against the best guy in the country. Um, 149, Brandon Sorensen, who's been pretty amazing this year against, uh, Keyshawn Hayes. That could be very interesting. Michael Kemmer against um, I almost called him Isaac Jordan, Micah Jordan. That could be interesting too, because Jordan coming up this weight, these two haven't wrestled before, have they? Not to my knowledge. There are going to be. Micah came up from 49, so I don't think these two have ever wrestled before in college, at least. There will be an absurd number of shot attempts in that match. Yeah, 165, Tishon Campbell. See if he can, uh, jump out of that slump like we talked about, but he's got a pretty formidable freshman in Alex Marinelli for Iowa. 
197. Colin Moore, I don't really see him being tested that much by Cash Wilkie, but it's at least a matchup worth noting. And then Kyle Snyder, see how many points he can score against Sam Stoll. Yeah, so there's uh there's gonna be some there's gonna be some great matchups. I'm sure the environment out there in Columbus will be a lot of fun. Who you got between NATO and Spencer? I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Oh man, it's tough to pick against the PA boy when I'm the PA power uh, college podcaster. But you know what? Why not? I'm going out on a limb, Spencer. I, I it's pretty also pretty hard to pick against NATO after he just teched Ethan Lezak. But <laughs> seriously, uh, I'm going. With I just can't pick against. I just can't pick against the PA boy. Plus, I knew you were going to pick NATO, so we'll, we'll go. We'll go opposites on this one. Yeah, I pick with my head, not my heart. Um, I, I am. I'm. I'm pragmatic. I'm going well for the Good most word. For, for the most part. Um, there there are certain guys like Darian and Scotty. It's very difficult for me to be completely objective. But anyway, yeah, I'm going with Tomasello. It's it, there's going to be a lot of things that are I'm going to be super interested to see in this match. How does Spencer handle the hand fight? How you know again on a one hour? How does that go? Um, Spencer on top of Tomasello, can he make anything of that? My guess is no, just because Tomasello is such, again, a spark plug. So, so many things. You know, and for probably the first time in his career, if you throw the DeSanto match out because of the injury, for probably the first time in Spencer's career, he will be wrestling a guy that has a higher pace than him. Um, really interested to see how that goes. Again, especially after what we saw in the duel against Oklahoma State. So I'm going NATO. I'll go Tomasello. I'll go Tomasello by five. I'll go Spencer by one. Um, Seven, six. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If Spencer's going to beat him, he's going to have to put a good number of points on the board because you're not going to shut Tomasello out. I'm probably completely wrong here, but like I said, I'm going with my with a PA boy. So, nah, I, hey, I, I appreciate it. Um, Darian's almost done it before. Zeke gave him a pretty good tussle in the national finals. Almost hit that cement mixer. So, well, Darian's know, beaten him before. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was referring to Dapper Dan. Oh no, I, I know. It, I just yeah, yeah. yeah so, so it'll be interesting. Um, so the last little thing we've got on the docket here, you brought up an interesting point about four point near falls and and. Tech Falls. Yeah, really, just before we uh, switch over to our interview with Tyler Smith, real quick discussion question I had was, Mason, I posed the question to you after you told me that NATO Tech Lezak, is a Tech Fall easier to obtain now than it was pre-four-point near fall? And obviously, you probably just say yes, because it's quicker to get four near fall um to, to accumulate a 15 point lead with a four near fall than it is with a three. But I guess my question was more like, does it seem like it's easier to tech fall guys? I just feel like in the last few years, I've seen an influx of guys that I thought would be more evenly matched up getting tech fall. Like, for example, I think Zane might have teched Micah Jordan twice last year or something. And that just seemed like a head scratcher that wouldn't have happened five years ago, for example. Uh, well, first of all, Zane, what he was doing to Micah, he could have had one point near falls and he would have teched him with how just bloody he beats him on top. But it's an interesting question. I, I, 
I do think you see for more more tax, and I think there's a few reasons for it. Number one, guys are forced because of the rules to stand in the center and wrestle more. There's you can't go out of bounds. Um, the drop down rule on top, you can't cling. So there are a lot of things that force action more, or that directly lead to stall points. The four point near fall is another one. Obviously, you can get four points in four seconds as opposed to three points in five seconds. So I like it. Um, I definitely like it too. A good change, I think. But I, I think you're right. I do think it's relatively, it's still very, very hard to tech guys at a division one level, but it's definitely relatively easier than it was a few years ago. Um, but I think it's a good thing. I, I think points on the board is good for the sport. So. But that was definitely an interesting thing that I really hadn't thought about. But I, you, I think you're absolutely correct. I, I do think that you're seeing that much more than we used to. Um, but having said that, let's uh, let's throw it over to our interview with Tyler Smith. Great conversation with him about his career in the Bucknell program, and uh, we'll bring it back and wrap it up. He's a three-time national qualifier. He was a state champ in high school, Franklin Regional graduate, uh, current Bucknell Bison senior. Tyler Smith. Tyler, thanks for joining the program, man. Yeah, no problem. Glad I could uh, give back. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, we always appreciate having guys like you on. So, um, you know, like I said, you're in your, uh, you're in your senior season, the back half of the senior season, right? Um, You know, what, first and foremost, what's it like for you, you know, kind of realizing this is the last semester um, at Buck now and of folk style wrestling, what's, what's that kind of been like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a sad, sad fact that, uh, my college career and folk style career is coming to an end, but that being said, there's nothing I can do to stop it. Time will go on. So I just, my main goal this year has been, uh, to just have fun with it, go out there, put on a show for the crowd and myself. Uh, just going out there and really uh, putting up an explosion of points, just to have fun with it. Makes sense. Um, you know, lo- looking at this last this last spring, um, you know, you you've been to the round of twelve, you've been to the national tournament every year and everything. Um, you're a guy that's won a lot of matches there. In your mind, what you know, what kind of is it that you have to do to get yourself you know, not just wrestling Friday night, but be wrestling on Saturday, um, you know, Saturday morning, Saturday night. What What is it that you think, whether in your training or just something small when you compete, that you need to do differently to get yourself there? Um, I know my training has been uh, consistently better every year. Uh, my coaches at Bucknell do a great job of getting me ready for every single match, every tournament. So my training's taken care of. Uh, the main thing is just going out there and just wrestling hard for seven plus minutes. Um, I know, uh, that my, my skill set is just as good, if not better than anyone in the country at 141. And, uh, I just need to go out there and showcase it. Makes sense. Um, you know, you, you had a good showing at Midlands and everything, how do you feel compared to past years, you know, last year, the year before and everything, how do you feel 
where about where you're at right now in the season, you know, individually and as a team, how do you feel, you know, you've progressed compared to years past, you know, do you feel like you're in a better spot now than you have been in years past, you know, that you've kind of continued to develop and, and kind of the same question for your team as a whole. Yeah. Um, definitely felt like I've gotten better a uh, year in year out. I uh, just, I know if, for example, my freshman year, I was pretty small, uh, true freshman stepping at 141. But uh, now as a senior, I kind of filled out. I feel like uh, I'm a bigger, stronger 141, which definitely helps uh, out there on the mat, especially getting on leg attacks, just being able to bring it up and finish. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it. <laughs> um. So, you know, I know one of the things that's kind of been exciting around your guys' program uh, the last, I think, year or so was uh, you guys got moved into your new facility, right? Correct. Um, what has that been like, not only just as a training environment, but what has that done for you guys as a program? You know, being able with that a new facility like that, recruiting changes a lot, and just the environment that you're in every day changes a lot. What is kind of What's that been like for you guys? Um. Uh, I I view myself in the situation as very fortunate, uh, kind of like a rags to riches situation. A more old room by no means was terrible, but uh, just shifting in a new facility. So I spent two years in the old one. Now this will be my second year in the new one. Just being able to learn how to appreciate uh, everything that Bucknell has given me, especially through our benefactors, uh, basically Bill Graham, uh, just really makes you learn how to appreciate everything and especially uh here in the middle of pennsylvania heart of wrestling wrestling's huge around here um just for example we went to a couple of local matches in lewisburg and mill and then to my surprise they had more fans in the stands than i did at frank regional and we won state title or two so it's uh really cool being out here uh i don't think i could have made a better decision yeah, and that actually, that's a pretty easy transition to something else, um, you know, I wanted to talk about. So you came from a Franklin Regional program that you were kind of part of the the come up of that program, you know, so to speak. You know, a program that went from always being good, but you guys contended and, and were you, one, your team's won state titles, right? Correct. I, I won a, my senior year, we won our first state title and then I graduated. And then when Kemmer and Shield and Maruka, those guys wanted again their senior year. Yeah, so you know, coming from a program like that, and from such a special group that that you guys had, and the guys that you mentioned along with yourself, and there was a number of you guys. Uh, you know, I saw a stat that at one point at Midlands, if Franklin Regional had been a team, you guys would have been like fourth or fifth. Um, yeah. What you know? What's that been like? I don't know. You know, I know you're a few years older than those guys, but you know, do you guys all kind of stay in touch? And, and what's that been like to watch? guys that you grew up wrestling with is spread all across the country now having the success that you're all having. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, really cool, but uh, I would like to say not surprising. I mean, we all know how hard that we all push each other uh, through our coaches at high school uh, as well as uh, clubs back home. But it is uh, really neat. Uh, just for example, we are down in Virginia Duels. Arizona State was there, so I got to hang out with uh, Maruka and Shields a little bit and watch them. I get off the mat at 141 and all of a sudden Maruka's up, Shields is up, it's cool. 
not to not to downplay uh Bucknell wrestling, but it was really cool seeing uh some old teammates out there putting on a show. Yeah, that's something that no, no matter who you are, where you're at, um, you know, the guys you grew up with, it's always a, it's a different bond, right? Oh, of course. So, you know, going back to, to last season, um, you know, NCAA specifically, you, you got yourself into the round of 12, um, you know, you fell one match short of, of getting yourself on the podium, but, you know, I I went through it personally and everything. And, and, you know, there's a lot that you can learn from making a run like that at NCAAs that, you know, it's an environment like that you can't really explain unless you've been there. Um, you know, through that run yeah. at Nationals and that, that round of 12 match and just everything, you know, kind of digging your way through the backside, um, which, is, which isn't a simple thing. You know, it takes a lot of grit and it's a lot harder than people realize. Um, you know, what did you kind of learn from that experience that you've carried with you through the senior season um, or that maybe you've tried to pass on to some of the other guys on your team? Yeah, the main thing I learned is that I don't ever want to feel that that type of feeling ever again. Uh, that uh, I didn't enjoy that one bit, <laughs> uh, losing the blood round, being that close to uh, making the podium and just being one step closer of achieving my goal to be a national title and all uh, national champion and all American. Uh, so I just, every time that I'm having a bad practice or coaches yelling at me or some other type of uh, obstacle in my way, I just reflect back to that moment where I'm sprinting back to the hotel and my singlet tears running down my eyes sitting in my my tub for six hours or so. <laughs> so I just, I, I use that as a, uh, just as a reminder to keep my goals and my, my intention and practice and just even throughout everyday life, uh, focus towards the ultimate goal at the end of the year in March. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that's always interesting you know, you come into the Bucknell program and, you know, obviously everybody, you know, no matter who you are, from 18 to 23, you grow up a lot. Um, but coming through a Division One program like that and, and, you know, the Bucknell program's got gone through a lot of changes in your time there. Um, what has that program been like, you know, when you committed and when you got there day one in Lewisburg? Um, how has it changed since then? You know, you guys are a program that – um, you always have solid guys, you know, you always have a solid team and everything. How is the, the program, you know, versus when you got there to now, when you're kind of, uh, you're in your final semester and everything, how has the program progressed? And, and, you know, just talk a little bit about everything that that experience has been like for you. Yeah. Um, as soon as I got here on campus, I actually came up the summer before my freshman year. So I was able to, uh, you know, train and test out the waters and get to meet some of the guys. So the main thing that I noticed and learned and inherited uh, here at Bucknell is just the team culture, uh, expectations. I don't want to say rules, but holding each other accountable and just where, where we want to be and what we have to do in order to get there. Obviously, we want to be a top 20 team finishing uh, – first in uh, EIWA 
Um, and I've been very fortunate to be on some pretty good teams where we're finishing, you know, in the top three behind your alma mater, Lehigh and Cornell. But the main thing that our coach, uh, Dez Wurzberger, as well as the entire coaching staff is just having a team culture and holding each other accountable when if someone does mess up, you're not screaming at them, but you let them know. And that's, that's the best thing for a team, in my opinion. So, you know, just kind of expand on that a little bit. What do you think it is that for the Bucknell program, you know, what do you think is going to take to get your guys' program to that next level, to that top 10, top 20 level? I would say the thing that's going to push this program to the next level, uh, we, we kind of already got step one here um, with the new facility and uh, the Buffalo Valley Regional Training Center. So we have the ability to um, – you know, kind of play with some options, especially with some local guys there. But also, also, it's it's just having the the goal of being that EIWA champion. I'm sure when you were at Lehigh, you guys had that goal every year, no matter how good Cornell was. Yeah, I mean that was the goal, and that has to be the mindset, and that's what. Um, I have inherited from some of the great wrestlers that came before me, and uh, that's what I continue to push on some of our young guys and even some more experienced guys here as I'm uh, entering my last season here. Yeah. Yeah, mindset goes a long way, right? You you really you have to legitimately expect to do those things um, if you want to do them. So. Of one thing that – and I don't have any idea what the background of this is, but I was told that I need to ask you about your landscaping abilities. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good. They're real good, actually. Uh, some we do up here in the summer, you know, uh, make a little money, uh, even, you know, messing around, train in the morning, have something to keep us busy all day or then floating around the river all day, go landscaping a little bit. That's why uh, Lewisburg has some of the best uh, landscapes up here. He's Smith and Company doing it well. So you basically have – are you the ringleader of this? Uh, it's been it's been passed down. When I was a freshman here is when we started, so it's kind of changed, changed hands. But last year I, I had it passed on to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Rustin Barrick is uh... – is real good friends with Tristan Warner. So Rustin was the one that that told us we had to ask you about your landscaping. So I like it though. You're, uh, those summers can be long and re- there's a lot of free time. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I appreciate that you guys are uh, being productive instead of doing God knows what else college kids could do. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, all right, man. Um, again, I appreciate the heck out of you taking the time. It, you know, anything else you got for us? You know that about the Lewisburg program, just anything you want, or not Lewisburg, about the Bucknell program or, you know, just anything that you want to get out there. Um, Yeah, I would, I would just like to say, especially uh, this is for PA Power Wrestling, to some of the Pennsylvania guys, to not overlook Bucknell University. Um, I mean, I can't believe I even have to say that uh, with its uh, prestigious uh, academic uh, accomplishments and accolades that this university has. I mean, it's been around since uh, 1846. 
Um, got a great new facility, um, great coaching staff, Dan, Dan Warnsberger, uh, Jim Gibson, coach Kevin LaValle, and uh, Dan Neff's here as well. Uh, Lockhaven product, Solanco graduate, but uh, also got the regional training center here, which is another big step. So, I mean, even uh, the old club Bison Legend was run out of here. So, uh, great area, especially for uh, Central PA guys. I mean, I, I'm in their club all the time. Uh, I don't ever see guys from Milton. So, come on, Milton, get out here. And as well as everybody else, uh, that's it. Well, good stuff, buddy. Um, again, thank you for taking the time. You know, we're we're huge fans of yours here. We've we've talked about you a number of different times on, on our show. So, we're rooting for you, man. Go uh, go get that podium finish. You know, it's definitely something you deserve, and a lot of us are behind you. And uh, you, you've done a lot of awesome things throughout your career for PA Power. So keep doing, keep fighting a yeah. good fight, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, just go Bison. All right, sounds good, man. I'll uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you later, Mason. Bye. And once again, we'd like to thank Tyler Smith for talking to us. Tyler Smith out of Bucknell, now in his senior campaign um, for the Bucknell Bison, hoping we see him on the podium in March. Um, with that said, Mason, that's going to wrap it up for us at the PA Power College Podcast. Thanks for dialing in, as always. I'm Tristan Warner. Find me on Twitter at WarnTriz, and you can find Mason at Beck underscore Diggity. Visit PAPowerWrestling.com for all your wrestling needs, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at PAPowerWrestle, and go ahead and give us a friend on Facebook. Until next time, stay classy, wrestling fans.